For these last few months, we've been following along in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians as Paul has given instruction that is tremendously practical. He's identified for us several patterns of behavior or several behaviors which characterize people who have the privilege of such great position as yours. He's told us that those people are humble. Do you remember that? He's told us that those people are gentle or meek. He's told us that those people are patient. And he's contrasted the behavior of people of our position with the behaviors of people who do not know God by saying that they do not speak things that are false, but they only speak things that are true, and they do that from a motive of love. He's also said that they're not easily given to unrighteous anger, and we spoke about that for a little while a couple of weeks ago. And then lastly... He's challenged us that we should not in any way steal, but that we should be people who occupy ourselves with honest work and giving to those people who are in need around us. And today, Paul is going to present us with another contrast between people who do not know God and people who do. But I want you to know that as I was preparing for today, my heart has been really challenged. I have been strongly challenged as I was preparing And I want you to know that I believe this is an area of weakness for me. And God worked me over as I was preparing this. I know that this is an area of weakness for me. And I know that this is probably an area of weakness for many of you. And I think that if you'll be honest with yourselves, and I think that if you'll be honest with your families, that this morning, God wants to do a work in your lives. I believe that if you will be honest with yourselves and honest with your families and honest with the Holy Spirit this morning, that He is going to do a work of pruning and correction in your lives as He molds and shapes the people of Root River Church into those who accurately reflect His love to our community. So I want to encourage you this morning to allow your hearts to be soft, allow your hearts to be pliable, allow your hearts to be pruned and shaped this morning. From the young kids who are here this morning to the most senior of adults, I believe that if you will allow yourselves to be pruned by the Word of God, your lives will be changed this morning. So can I just ask you to do that this morning? When God formed the heavens and the earth, you know that He made man differently, didn't He? He made man to be different than all of His other creations. In fact, in Genesis 1.26, the Bible tells us that God said, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man according to our own likeness. And for millennia, great scholars have grappled with this verse in Genesis chapter 1, and they've tried to understand to what extent man was made in the image of God. They've been fighting with this forever. And I believe that we see the truth of man's being made in the likeness of God made manifest in many different ways. But one of those ways is that God gave only to man the ability to speak words. Yes, I know that there are animal behaviorists out there who will tell you that various species of animals have the ability to communicate on sophisticated levels. But none have the ability to communicate through spoken word as man does. But I need you to understand that with that ability, with that image of God imprinted on your very souls comes great and grave personal responsibility. Do you know that words have tremendous power? And it's a power that I think we too often fail to consider. Kids, the Bible tells us that words have the power to tear down or to destroy. 
and that words have the power to build up or to make strong. That's important for you to remember. Your words have the power to tear down and your words have the power to build up. And those are really the only two basic uses of your words. They either tear things down or they build things up. And Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12 that you will be judged by the way that you choose to use your words. You will be judged. In verse 36, he says, I tell you on the day of judgment that people will give account for every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Isn't that grave and awesome responsibility? Think about that. For every careless word that you have ever spoken, you will be judged. You see, words are far more than just sounds that are formed as we shape our lips and our tongues and force air across our larynx. Words are much more than that. Words have power. They contain power. They do much more than to simply convey simple information. They tear down and they build up. And Jesus says, words that are chosen to build up are characteristic of of people who are in your position. Words that are chosen to build up are characteristic of people who believe. Words that are chosen to build up are characteristic of people who are saved. They are characteristic of people who are justified, people who have right standing before God. That's one way that you know that someone has right standing before God because they use words that build up. But on the other hand, words that are used to tear down Words that are used to destroy are characteristic of people who are going to hell, the Bible teaches. Those kinds of words are characteristic of people who will be condemned. We need to understand, my friends, the power of our words. The ability to communicate through words is an incredibly powerful gift from the Almighty God, and as such, it requires a great deal of help from God to properly exercise it. You see, because we are the only creatures who have been given the ability to use words like this, God expects more of us. And I think that He should. And so, as we approach our passage for today, we're going to find that kind of instruction. So here in Ephesians, as you know, Paul has been telling us that the use of our words allows the world to see whether we are exactly as they are, which means that we are condemned, or whether we are, by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, using our words to build up, which makes us distinct from the rest of the world, which is to say that they notice that we are saved. They notice that we are unique. And so we're going to see in our passage this morning that words take two functions. One of two functions. So I'm going to take you now to the first portion of verse 29 of Ephesians chapter 4, and it says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up. Do you see the two purposes of your words here? Can you see that? The first one is corrupting talk, which obviously is that which tears down, and you see the good which comes after that which builds up. Now, I want to just take a minute and I'd like to talk about each of those points. It's very important that we get this. Words that tear down and words that build up. Paul starts off his instruction here with some very interesting language. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. The word that is translated corrupting is the Greek word sapros, and it means worthless. 
the sapros language of your mouth is worthless language. And I want to give you a little bit more flavor for that word if I could. The Greeks would use this word sapros to describe something that was rotten. They would use this word to describe things that had been putrefied. They would use this word to describe things that were badly diseased. In fact, one use I found of the word sapros was describing fish. Think about this. Fish that had been caught and left untreated. What happens? Well, it doesn't take long for fish that have been caught and left untreated to begin to decompose. And then what happens? They begin to smell really bad, don't they? They begin to stink. If you leave it a little bit longer, then it becomes putrefied. And another use of the word that I found was a piece of fruit that had become smelly and rotten and soft. You know what that piece of fruit looks like. And you know what is pro- the problem with that piece of fruit? First of all, it has absolutely no value, does it? You can't do anything with it but throw it away. But secondly, if you leave it in the basket with other pieces of fruit, what happens? Those pieces of fruit will also begin to decay. Those pieces of fruit will also begin to rot. It is rotten. It is completely useless. And the only thing that you can do is throw it away. In fact, the sooner you can throw it away, the better. Paul says, why would you allow something rotten and rancid like that to be in your mouths? I had one friend that used to tell me, Scott, I would not have on my shoe what you just had in your mouth. Think about that. Why would we as believers allow something rotten and rancid and putrefied to be in our mouths? Kids, we should not use words that are vulgar. We should not use words that are vulgar. And what that means is we should not use words that are dirty. We should not use words that are indecent. I think we would do well to consider for a moment what talk like that looks like, what talk that is rancid and putrefied sounds like. Paul contrasts it with talk that is good and with talk that builds up. So talk that is sapros is anything that does not build up. Let me give you some examples if I could do that. First, and I think most obviously, it's language that is vulgar. You get that, right? It seems to me that for whatever reason, People feel that they are giving off this sense of toughness maybe or whatever it is when they're able to use language that is foul and vulgar. Have you ever noticed that? They feel that it gives them this sense of toughness. I don't know why that is. It makes them feel macho sometimes, I think, to use language that is colored with all forms of four-letter words and filthiness. You've met those people. Have people that come into some of my stores They will come in and it seems like no sentence is complete if it doesn't contain at least four or five four-lettered words. No sentence is complete. No communication is complete if I haven't used this kind of language. You've met all those people, right? If it doesn't contain a few curse words, then I really haven't had a conversation with you. And what it does is it screams for those people, look how tough I am. Look how tough I am. I'm not putting up with that. And so they use this kind of language that says, you better think twice before you mess with me. Look how rough and coarse I am. Language that only sailors and truck drivers would have used 30 years ago is commonplace in the elementary school play yards and in their cafeterias. What's worse is it's commonplace in ladies' gatherings, men's gatherings. It's sapros. It's rotten. It's awful. It's worthless. And it can do absolutely nothing to build up. All that that kind of language can do is destroy. And you can easily see the heart that is willing to spit forward this kind of language from its mouth. 
There are words that our kids use on a daily basis that would have gotten my mouth washed out with soap as a child for probably 20 and 30 minutes at a time. (laughs) There are certain words that are just so untasteful to me. Do you know that? You see, but what happens is if you say, you know what, I don't like that word. Can't you find a better way to express yourself? Can't you find a better word to use than that? And then what often happens is, wait a minute, what's the matter with you? That's not a bad word. Everybody says that. That's not a bad word. Everybody uses that kind of language. And so the response is not, I'm sorry that I've used language that offends you, and then I'll stop using it. What the response is, hey, I can't believe that you're such a sissy that you can't handle that word. That's what that means. It means I can't believe you're such a wimp that that kind of a word would offend you. I can't believe you're such a pansy that you can't put up with something like that because everyone else can, but it's useless. It's rotten. It's suppros. It stinks. What possible value can be derived from using that kind of language? I'd like you to think about that. What possible value can be derived from that kind of talk? Only that it makes you feel tough. Only that it allows you to give vent to a sinful anger that is welling up in your heart. That's the only thing. It's not my intent to tell you this morning what kind of words you can and can't use. I have no desire to stand up here before you and write a Christian lexicon of rotten and vulgar language. But I want to encourage you, before you speak, to ask yourselves, Would I allow to be on my shoe what I'm about ready to let come out of my mouth? Ask yourselves, does this language build up? Or does this language stink? Is it rotten? Is it sapros? Is it worthless? If so, why use it? What about off-colored jokes? What about conversation that's charged with sexual innuendo? Listen, bedroom talk belongs in the bedroom between a married man and his wife. It does not belong in the conversation of other people in other contexts. It's not appropriate for people of our position to walk around talking like that. It's not appropriate for people of our position to go around engaging in that kind of conversation. It's sapros, it's worthless, it stinks. You see, that's the way that the people at the Temple of Artemis do it. That's the way that everyone else out there does it. That's the kind of things you see when you turn on the TV. So it permeates our lives. It fills our minds. That kind of conversation is not used for the building up of other believers. And I think that we could probably easily acknowledge that, can't we? We can easily acknowledge that foul language and and coarse jokes and dirty stories and sexually charged speech, we know that those things should not characterize people of our position, don't we? We know that. But sometimes we use it anyway. There's something else I want to show you. I want to take you to Colossians chapter 3. In verse 8. And this is what Paul wrote. He said, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And so I want to just take a few minutes to share with you these two words, malice and slander. These are very important. The first word that is translated malice simply means badness or bad things. Very important. Please get this. It talks about badness or bad things, okay? The next word, slander, means evil speaking, and it means railing. It's like railing on someone. So talk that is sapros, 
Talk that is rotten, talk that is worthless, does include talk that is vulgar. We know that. We know that that kind of rotten talk includes off-colored and dirty jokes. We know that it includes profanity. But friends, listen to me. That kind of talk, sopros, worthless, rotten, stinky talk, also includes this kind of language. And I think more than any other, this is the kind of talk, this is the kind that tears down and destroys more than any other kind. I want you to hear what I'm saying here. This is the kind of talk that simply says mean and bad things about other people. That's what this is. Kids, we should not say mean and cruel things to other people. Did you hear that? We should not say mean and cruel things to other people. And that's what this is. It's the kind of talk that is cruel. It's the kind of talk that constantly rails on people. One lexicon that I read called it naughty. I think that's a good word. Think about that. Our language that is naughty. It says things about other people. And, and, and it says things about other people that aren't nice. It says, other th- it says things to other people. It says things about them. This is using language that is filled with bitterness. This is using language which is designed to tear down and to hurt other people. These are the words that the proverb speaks of in chapter 11 and verse 9 when it says, with his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor. Powerful. Do you understand the power of those words? You can cut down and destroy your neighbor with language like that. Proverb 25 says these kinds of words are those that are like hitting your neighbor in the head with an axe. Think about that. Using these kinds of words is like hitting your neighbor with an axe or running him through with a sword. I think this proverb paints a really good picture for us if you think about it. I mean, think about the words that you are using. Are you using words that are specifically designed to hurt and to cause pain? Are you doing that? What an idiot. Listen, stupid. Think about that kind of talk. Can you believe she doesn't know how to do this? Can you believe she doesn't even know how to do that? Did you see the lipstick she had on this morning? Just think of all the things that you say that wound the person that you're speaking about. Think of all the things that you say that would wound the person that you're talking to. It's constant negativity, constantly laughing at people, constantly making fun of the way they look, constantly making fun of the way they talk, talking about the things that they don't do well, mocking them for the way they dress, mocking them for whatever. It's approach. It's rotten. As we say these things, As we do these things, I want you to know that you're just cutting away. You're slicing and you're chopping away at the person that you're speaking to. Your words are powerful. Parents, I want to challenge you with something here. When your children bring home their report cards, do you first talk about the bad grades? Do you notice those first? And talk about those first? Do you only, do you start conversation with the things that aren't good enough? When your child cleans his room and you go in there to check on it, do you first start by pointing out the dirty socks that are still on the floor or do you start by saying, wow, you did a great job making your bed? Where do you start? And I say this, and I bring these things up specifically because these are some of the things the Lord has challenged me with. These are the things that have cut my heart as I've prepared for today because as I stand up here, I have to confess to you that I have a tendency to highlight the things that my children have done wrong before I notice the things that they've done right. Harms kids. 
Beth, I'm sorry for that. I don't want to be that kind of a dad. I don't want to be that kind of a husband. Please forgive me for using words that are sapros. Kids and teens, do you constantly pick at your brothers and sisters? Do you? Do you constantly mock and ridicule your brothers and sisters? Do you use your words to cut them down? Do you use your words to destroy your brothers and sisters? What about the people in school who don't have nice clothes? Do you use your words around your friends to make fun of them? What about the people in your workplace who have habits that annoy you? I had one guy call me recently to tell me that he was really upset with one of his co-workers who was a close talker. He had to be right up in his grill every time he was talking to him. And he was so offended by that. And all he could say was negative things because this guy was talking too closely to him. You know what I said? Take a step back. But do you use your words to do things like that? Listen, as believers, we must be careful that we don't use the power of our words like swords and like axes and like knives to cut and to harm other people. Dr. Heshmet of the University of Illinois at Springfield wrote in Psychology Today that memories of painful experiences linger far longer than even those that involve physical pain. Did you hear that? When you say things to people that cut them and chop them and destroy them, when you use words to cause emotional pain, they remember those things longer than they would remember traumatic experiences that cause them physical pain. Those things stick with them longer. What you say to people matters. The words that you use matter. It's worse than physical pain. People of your position should not be using your words to cut people down and to destroy them. That's what people who don't know God do. That's what you used to do. That's how people who don't know God behave. But now you are new and you are no longer that way. That is not the way that you should behave. But on the other hand, the second part of verse 29 says, only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Have you ever known anyone who just seemed to always have the knack for saying the right things at exactly the right time to bring encouragement and joy to your life? Have you ever known anyone like that? I have. It seems that there are so few people like that out there, aren't there? There are so few people who are out there like that. But the church should be absolutely filled with those kinds of people. And so I want to show you very quickly here three characteristics of talk that is good and three characteristics of talk that builds up. First of all, good talk builds people up. In 1 Corinthians 14, as Paul is speaking about spiritual gifts, he says, let all things be done to what? To edification. Let all things be done unto the building up of the church body. And as we see here in the book of Ephesians, that also includes your speech. Kids, the words that we speak should be words that are encouraging, constructive, and helpful. The words that you speak should be encouraging, constructive, and helpful. When we speak to one another, it should be with those things in mind. When you talk to other people around you, you should ask yourself, am I an encouragement? Are the things that I'm about to say constructive? Are the things that I'm about to say helpful? Yes, 
There are times when we need to correct people. But even that must take this form, you understand? Correction does not take the form of words that cut and destroy. That's not correction, that's meanness, that's rottenness. Secondly, Paul tells us that our words must fit the occasion. Sometimes, this is interesting, but sometimes even when people intend to speak words that are encouraging, even when they intend to speak words that are constructive and helpful, they might say them at the wrong time. You ever known anybody who has ever done that? Have you ever done that? You're just trying to be encouraging, but you're saying the things at the wrong time, and so they have the complete opposite effect that you intended. Timeliness. Timing is everything. And telling a good joke. This is from me to you. You want to know how to be a good comedian? Timing is everything. Write that one down, Sam. You've got to have your timing right. Sometimes it's just right to be quiet. Sometimes it is right and it is just for you to shut your mouths and listen. You don't always have to speak. Sometimes it's right to leave things unsaid until the proper time. You don't always have to speak words on every occasion. It is good for you to know when to be quiet. Thirdly, Paul says that our words should give grace to those who hear. Think about that. I want you to think of grace in this context as joy and happiness. That's the best way for you to think of this. So we learned back in verse 15 that when people of your position speak the truth, they need to do it in love, right? We talked about that. Sharing what you think is truth, sharing what you have decided is truth, and just throwing it out there because you think you can justify it as true is destructive. Your speech and your actions should always be gracious, even when they are corrective. Did you hear that? Your words must always be gracious, even when they are corrective. Verse 6 of Colossians 4, Paul writes, Let your speech always, not once in a while, let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech be seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Isn't that challenging? I wonder. What do you think would be the response of the community around us if every time the people of Root River Church opened their mouths, people heard encouraging words at exactly the right time? What do you think the community would think about that? What if they heard kind and gracious words that were filled with compassion every time you opened your mouth? Do you think they would say to themselves, there's something peculiar about those people? You see, that's not the way that people who don't know God do things. People who don't know God, they don't concern themselves with words that are gracious, do they? Think about every word that has been spoken to you through your life. How fewer are the ones that people have spoken with hearts that intend to be gracious than with hearts that intend to cut and to chop down and to destroy. Think about yourselves and all the words, the millions of words that you've used over the years. How many of those did you intentionally use to be gracious, to build up? And how many of them did you use intentionally to hurt and to cut and to destroy? Every word that you speak as a believer should be filled with encouragement. It should be filled with grace, even when it's corrective. So friends, if you're here this morning, and you're like me, and you sometimes struggle with words that are sapros, and you sometimes struggle with words that are rotten, words that are destructive, I want to give you a few practical steps that you can take to speak words of encouragement and grace. So be ready for these. I'm going to give you some practical steps here. 
First of all, kids, if you tend to speak words that are destructive and rotten, you need to ask God to change your heart. Did you hear that? This is super important. You can't, you can't go to step two until you've gotten this. If you tend to speak words that are destructive and rotten, you need to ask God to change your heart. Do you know why that is? Do you know what Jesus says in Matthew 12? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's out of the abundance of the heart that your mouth is speaking. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. You see, the problem is that your mouth is simply speaking the things that already fill your heart. That's the problem. Your heart is already filled with rottenness. Your heart already stinks. And so you're just allowing your mouth to allow that stuff to come gushing out. So if you speak words of criticism, it's probably because you have a critical heart. Whether you like to admit it or not, if you speak hateful words, it's probably because your heart is filled with hatred. Ask God to forgive you of your critical spirit and ask God to forgive you of your hatred and to fill your heart with love. And then you can speak words that are filled with love and grace, encouragement and joy. Ask God to create a right heart in you, man. Secondly, we've got to stop filling your mind with destructive and bad things, kids. Don't fill your minds with destructive or bad things. I mentioned earlier, if you have one rotten fruit in a basket, pretty soon all the other fruit around it will also become rotten. You see, what's terrible is if you fill your mind with rotten things, why would you think anything else is going to come out but rotten things? And you understand that when that rottenness comes out of your mouth and you use it to fill the ears of your children, you use it to fill the ears and the heart of your wife or of your husband, You're corrupting them. Your rottenness is going to cause them to be rotten. The words that you speak is going to corrupt them. So if you fill your mind with rotten things, why do you think anything else is going to come out of it? Stop filling your minds with things that are rotten. If you struggle with foul language, don't hang out in places where foul language is spoken. Do you get that? Do you listen to TV shows? Do you watch TV shows that is filled with that kind of language? Do you listen to music that's filled with that kind of language? Then there's a really good chance that it's going to come out of your heart. Stop filling your hearts with that kind of thing. Don't hang around with people who are making dirty jokes and you won't be laughing at those kinds of things and sharing them with other people. They're rotten. Don't put them in your mouths. Thirdly, friends, we need to remind ourselves that even at our very best, even at my most pious moment, man, I'm a sinner. I'm still sinful. And if you're honest with yourself about your own sin, and if you're honest with yourself about your own shortcomings, how could you possibly speak negatively or harshly towards other people about their shortcomings? If you're honest with your own, how could you possibly have anything negative to say about someone else? And finally, I'm going to tell you, and this is probably the most important thing of all, You need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide your life. You can't do any of this on your own. You just can't. You will never be able to stop speaking words that tear down. You will never be able to begin speaking words that build up by forcing yourself to do it. By thinking that if I just concentrate a little bit harder, if I'm just a little bit more careful, if I'm a little bit more deliberate before I speak, those things aren't going to keep you from speaking those kinds of words. You need to be guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide every conversation that you have. Kids, 
Ask the Holy Spirit to guide every conversation that you have. Ask Him to fill you with discernment. Ask Him to help you understand when is the right time to use certain words and when not to. Ask Him to help you understand when is the right time for you to talk and when is the best time for you to just be quiet and listen. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Ask Him to fill you with grace. Ask Him to fill your heart with love for the people that you're talking to on a daily basis. Ask Him to fill your heart with compassion. Many times I fear that the church of the world today has lost its compassion. It's lost its heart of love. Ask the Lord to fill your heart with compassion and understanding for people outside of your own families. So I'm just going to ask this morning that you would bow your heads in prayer. But if you're here this morning and you're like me, I want to pray with you. Maybe you would say this morning, Scott, my mouth is filled with corrupting talk. Maybe it's that you're using vulgar language. And you know what doesn't please God? Maybe your words are constantly critical and negative. And you feel like you're constantly destroying and cutting and chopping at people rather than building them up. Or maybe you just get angry and you use your words to cut and carve away. Using your words like an axe, a sword, or a knife. I don't know, friends, how you're using your words but you do, and the Holy Spirit does. But this is so important for you to understand. Whatever the case is, you need to know that on the day of judgment, you're going to account for every careless word that you've spoken. And that should spark fear in your lives. That should spark a holy fear in your lives. Because by your words... You will either be condemned or you'll be saved. And so while your heads are bowed in prayer, I just want to ask if you would just say, Scott, my words are suppressed, they're rotten. And if that's you, I just want to ask quickly that you would put your hand up and write back down. And I want you to pray for me this morning all across the room. You can put your hands down. Lord, you see the hearts of people who want to speak gracious, kind words to the edification of the people in their families, the edification and the building up of the people in this church and of this community. Lord, where there's rottenness in the hearts, I pray that you would change the heart so that when the mouth speaks out of the fullness of, of the heart, that words of graciousness, words of love and kindness would come flowing forward. God, we recognize that our hearts are not always right before you. We recognize that we're often sinful. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would give us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a right heart. That you would fill it with your love and compassion. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for words that are rotten, that we've used on one another, that we've used on the people who are closest to us, the ones that we love the most. And the times that we've said rotten things to people that we don't even know. Lord, my prayer is that you would make Root River Church a church that is filled with people with gracious, kind, and loving words. 
Let us be a church that builds one another up, families that are built up by the kind words of one another, timely words that are encouraging, loving, and full of care. We ask these things now in Jesus' name.